Warning, this podcast contains no journalistic integrity. Welcome to the Gentleman's Soapbox. start today with uh, our question out towards the listeners, and it comes more from a statement that was made to me by our constant companion and listener, Yepix. 299. I, I got a tweet from him yesterday uh, talking about the latest cast that had come out. We've been talking to some extent about finances and money, and his statement was one that I couldn't necessarily disagree with. But I had to just kind of question as to where it leads and where it goes. And basically what he was trying to say was that a $15 minimum wage isn't enough. Uh, and he basically what it came down to, and I unfortunately, though I was trying to look up the tweet, I don't have it right in front of me. Uh, there was an economist uh, that he quoted that said that in order to keep up with inflation, that really, quite frankly, what we needed was a $40 minimum wage. And 40, as in four zero? Yes, as in four zero. Okay. $40, $40 an hour minimum wage. Uh, and I was thinking about this because it even just occurred to me how, you know, I just got a 5% raise being the fact that it's the beginning of the year and we're at 6% inflation. So my cost of living raise didn't exactly meet cost of living. Um, so I understand where this idea is coming from, the idea of keeping up with inflation, keeping up with cost of living. Uh, and the idea of $40 hit my sense of incredulity and not because I don't like the idea of everybody being able to make $85,000, but there's a limit to what the economy can handle. And it comes down to at what point are we paying people so much money that the cost of living, because the people employing them have to pay so much money. Therefore, the cost of the products they're making are going to cost so much money that the cost of living comes to the point where even $80,000 a year doesn't cover it. We're already to a point right now where the minimum wage starts to raise or the cost that it that you need to pay to in order to get people to work for you raises to the point where you no longer see cashiers in McDonald's. Uh, we're already to the point we have been for decades where if you're going to decide as a business to manufacture your product in the, in the United States, that you are immediately going to have to make a decision that you're going to have a harder time competing with those who don't just due to labor costs right there and then. So what's the limit? What's the line? Where do we come? What's the balance between the two? And I don't know the answer to the question. I'm sure someone smarter than I am is trying to figure it out. But it seems like most of what we've got are people who are so far on one side to $40 minimum wage. Or you've got somebody over to the other side is basically just going, fuck them, everybody. So there's got to be somebody who's poor. Um, there's got to be a middle ground. And I don't know where that is. So that's a question I'm throwing out to the audience if they would like to comment on that. And it's also something where I'm going to throw the soapbox to Sean and see if he's got an opinion. Oh, wow. Uh, yeah, I get the easy ones. Um, <laughs> well, first of all, um, I would totally agree that there needs to be a middle in there because a $40 minimum wage is $80,000, give or take. Uh, the median, the the mean or median single income uh, in the United States right now is just shy of thirty six thousand dollars. So we would be effectively more than doubling the that, and that would be the low end. So after that, uh, you get, you know, the the if the lowest you can have is eighty thousand uh, dollars, the inflation would would go through the roof i mean it would just it would it would cripple our our already fragile system that we have going here which isn't great i'll i'll 
it's not like I'm saying, oh, I'm not one of those guys. Like, there has to be poor people. I'm just saying we wouldn't come back from that. Uh, it would it would totally break down because everybody having to pay those labor costs, everything would get more expensive, and the whole thing, the inflation would just shoot further than you uh, a, a loaf of bread would cost twenty eight dollars. I mean, it, it would be ridiculously high uh, for all goods and services because no one could afford to to pay that for employees. Um, uh, just regular employee, or it would just take a lot of people out of work. Um, there's no way we could go that high that fast. No way. Um, not without some kind of weird government subsidy, which where would they get the money? Because the money all the government has ultimately comes from us, so we would have to pay it one way or the other, and we just we're not built for it. We we do not have the infrastructure, and this isn't like the the Republicans saying we don't have the infrastructure to do fifteen dollars an hour. Yeah, you did because you kept it at eight twenty five or eight seventy five or whatever the hell it was for the last like fifteen twenty years. So don't give and, me and we I can't and I don't know it. where how it is where where in Texas where you are, but here on the east coast everywhere you drive are signs out saying hiring starting wage fifteen dollars an hour so even without it being the quote-unquote minimum wage the market is starting to force that to happen one way or the other yeah in texas the minimum wage is 725 that has been that way since i was working for a minimum wage in 1995 but the market is correcting itself to some extent. I'm not saying it's yes. perfect, but it's correcting no, it, itself it's to not. some it's, extent. It's, that but there's there's people who, um, the I mean the only state that's ratified fifteen dollar minimum wage is California. Now it's so which is laughable because California is one of those states where you couldn't live on fifteen dollars an hour either. So, uh, it, it's just. It's so funny, but you know, like Virginia's eleven, Vermont's twelve, something. Utah is the same as as Texas. So, it's it, minimum wage is exactly that. It is the minimum that people are allowed to pay you. And you're right that there are a lot of of states right now that are kind of self correcting because they cannot afford to not do that they're they're just not getting employees and there's some bright spots you know um but like even states with high quote-unquote high minimum wages like new york it's like 13 something and and rhode island's like a little bit more washington i think is like almost 15 dollars um even in those states like california and and new york are the most aggressively expensive places to live that we have uh, by state, so uh, we do have some market adjustment, and and that's that's going on in, in Texas as well. There's there's places that are um, paying you know twelve, fifteen, even eighteen dollars an hour for for skilled or, or unskilled, relatively low skilled labor, um, because they just can't get the bodies in the door, otherwise. Uh, there, there's entire restaurants that uh, are especially the fast food places who have like one person working there and it's the manager and the lines are 15 minutes and people aren't complaining because they have a big sign saying, hey, I'm the only guy here. Please bear with me. I, I, I'm doing the best I can, but I'm cooking, taking the orders and doing all the stuff and bringing it to you. I, please, if you know anybody <laughs> who wants $15 an hour job, you can start right now. Um there's a Sonic down the street from me that says uh, uh, car hops wanted uh, uh, roller skating car hops wanted 1850 an hour. So like if that's the job at Sonic and they can't find them, uh, there's there's some reason. And I know that that people hate there's a certain group of people who hate the term the Great Reset. But that's really kind of what we did. Um, we came off of a huge pandemic and. People have figured out how to live without some of these jobs. There's a lot of people who just are never going to return to the workforce. They took early retirement. They took retirement or whatever, and they said, this is the best it's going to get. I'm not dealing with this stuff anymore. They're not going to be returning to the workforce, so we've lost a huge amount of experience. We have kids just joining the workforce who are like, I ain't working for that. That sounds like an awful job for, for minimum wage. No. Well, you know, I can go down the street and get 15 bucks. I was it could, listening, it more power to them. I was listening to a podcast recently in which they were talking about the working conditions at Amazon other warehouse type places. Now, 
my original work experience came from working in the warehouse at United Parcel Service, UPS. So I've done that job before. And what I was really kind of thrown off by is how they were talking about how grueling it is and how boring it is. And I'll admit it's boring. I will admit it is hard work. Um, but I, I, I was really kind of thrown off guard by the idea that it was inhumane. And I, I know that my opinion is, is not exactly popular in today's day and age, but I have a hard time thinking of work as having to be enjoyable and fun. Am I wrong? I'm sure there's somebody else out there whose head just exploded going, of course work is supposed to be enjoyable and fun. You're not supposed to spend your life doing something you don't enjoy. But I, I, I guess that's where my natural inclination goes, is that it, it, these jobs have to be done. Somebody has to do them. No, they're not going to be fun. No, they're not going to be the best paid jobs in the world. And... Yes, it sucks, but, you know, I go back to my my old joke of, you know, there's a, a support group for people who hate their jobs. It's called Everyone and They Meet at the Bar. I I think a lot of the confusion comes from this, and this is, this is something that I think we fundamentally forgot as a nation. There is a difference between a job and a career. Do I think you should feel... Well, we'll th- throw in another level to that, though. There's also a difference between a career and a vocation. Yeah, also true. But a vocation can be considered a career. Uh, yes. Um, but, I mean, like, if you are in AC and, and heating repair, that's a vocation. But it's also a career field. Um, but here's here's the deal. Like, do I think you should feel valued and respected and, ha- and have a dignified living wage... Uh, if you are in a, a career, you know, if you are heating and air repair, uh, uh, you know, an over-the-road trucker or a, you know, uh, somebody who, who works in manufacturing or, or something like that, that this is like a specialized, a semi-specialized thing that you can't just walk on the street and flip burgers or, or whatever it is. You have to have some kind of training. Do I think that needs to have a living, dignified wage? Absolutely. Do I think you should get some satisfaction from doing a good job on that and not feel embarrassed about it? Absolutely. Um, that is where we, we don't have enough of that in this country. And I think, uh, you know, people like micro and all that uh, really kind of put the light on that particular type of, of topic is like, look, you don't need four years of college to make an, an honest living. And that I, I truly think we've lost our way with that. But we're confusing a vocational job or a, a career oriented job with an entry level. I got to get through this and I just need some money job, right? A, a temporary or part-time or dead end, if you want to call it that, but a, a, a job that is not designed to have you in it forever. But, uh, but even then take a, a step back when we start even talking about trades and it kind of even goes into some of the mentalities that we go to, there's also a bit of mentality in the trades. And, and I think it's part of what you said we're getting away from. Um, I have a friend whose daughter went to carpentry school, makes some absolutely beautiful furniture, and does absolutely wonderful work and has trouble because she's a female getting people to accept her being willing to do the hard work. At the same time, the opposite end of that spectrum is, is I've got people, young people here that I can overhear going, carpentry? Oh, I, I, that's hard work. I'm not going to do that. Uh, and, you know, I'm sitting here thinking to myself, you, you know, carpentry is an excellent job. That's It's an excellent career. It's a good life. It's a good living. People make do very well with that. And it's... And as you said, it should be considered dignified to build things. I think we've lost a lot of that um, as a as a country. Let me give you two examples. You gave me an example. I'll, I'll give you two examples. One of them is very easy because it's very close to me. My wife. My wife has been uh, up until the last year. She has been in uh, law enforcement and security um, her whole life, uh, her whole working life. She got right out of high school and went to police academy 
and uh, was she has served as a police officer, corrections officer, a security guard, a, a sniper, a, uh, a federal law enforcement officer. She has done many things in the law enforcement and security area. And there has been an overarching – now, to give you a little bit more about my wife, if you have not come from another cast uh, where I talk about her uh, at length, uh, my wife was born in Texas. She is five foot two, and she is uh, not standard. She does not believe in doing jobs that she cannot do. She originally wanted to be a fireman. She cannot carry that kind of weight and originally – and would not – be one of those people who wanted the standard altered for her, so she went into law enforcement, uh, which she could do, and she was very good <laughs> at it. Instead of picking them up, she's shooting them down. She's putting them down, you know, and uh, luckily she's never had to kill anyone in her career, and uh, she says uh, her, her big thing is if you have to touch a firearm in law enforcement or security, you haven't done your job right. Uh, you have mis mishandled the situation. She is very proud that she has never had to shoot anybody or even at anybody in her line of work. But uh, that aside, she gets crashed. She always, 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 she was in law enforcement for 25 years, 25 years. And there was never, not once, did she start a job where she didn't have to prove herself and go above and beyond what all the other guys were doing because she was a short little white girl, basically, who couldn't – they knew damn well could not reach the same level of physicality they would even when she was younger. Uh, after two kids and a desk job for a little while, she definitely wasn't the same level of physicality, and she always had to overcome that. And she finally, this year, got tired of it. She didn't want to do it anymore. And she went into IT, which largely has the same problem, but it's a different type of thing. It's like, oh, I've never heard of a girl technician before. Well, you have now because you're looking at her. Uh, but it, it's, it's always something she has to overcome. And one of the things that she takes great pride in is Shannon is always considered one of the guys because she acts like one. And she does – she puts it – she's like, look, if you want to play with the boys, and this is what she's always said. If you want to play with the boys, you need to be one of the boys. They don't need to be afraid of you every time you walk in the room. You need to be one of the guys because that's what you're working with. And if you can't be okay with that, don't do the job. And she's always been very vehement about that because they shouldn't have to bend who they are, not – not being disrespectful or, or sexual harassment. That's not what I'm talking about. Like if they tell a joke that you, that may be of questionable uh, validity or something like that, or they expect, or if they don't carry things for you because you're shorter than them or you're smaller than them, they expect you to pull your weight. You better pull it and don't bother complaining about this, the, the physicality aspect of it because they're there, there too. They're they're there doing the same thing you are, and they're not complaining, so you don't get to complain. And that's something that she just has to work through. And there have been many other women in her line of work uh, over the years that just cannot handle it. They cannot handle the male atmosphere, and they just punk out. They just I don't want to do it anymore. So that's I, I to your to your carpentry point. That's that's very true. Um, I, I guess my where uh, the thought process that I was going through was more of an ageism than sexism concept. Sure, but but uh, there's a lot of isms in there is what really no, what I'm absolute, talking about. You know, absolutely, um, there, that may kind of quote unquote disqualify you or or make it harder for you because of one thing or another, whether whether it's age or sex or or, or education or whatever it is. There's a lot of stuff you can come that that can put you behind the eight ball before you even start and we've got but, to kind of get through some of those I, I guess what i was talking about is as much as i i'm agreeing with you being behind the eight ball as much as there are youngish people out there who are willing to push that eight ball out of the way and say here i am um and and i have all the respect in the world for that i'm finding more people anecdotally around me in my own life who are looking at that eight ball, whether it be 
ageism, sexism, uh, just plain, oh, God, that's a physical job. I don't want to do that. Um, and are just like looking at the eight ball, spitting on it and walking away. Well, there's a lot of that. And, and because it's hard, it's hard to be the, the first one through the wall or the the odd man out or odd person out or, or it's hard. I, and I, they don't want to do that. I, I think it, I'm having a difficult time expressing where I'm coming from. So I think I'm just going to say it because it, it, it's it's something that I know a lot of people aren't going to agree with. A lot of people are going to say, well, times are different now. I was raised with the idea that the fact that it was hard almost made it worth doing. The idea that it's hard made it respectable. The idea that it was hard and difficult gave it, you know, I don't know if you want to use the term honor, if you want to use the term, I don't even know what term to use for it, but that actually made it something that gave you self-respect. That was hard, and I did that. Nowadays, uh, it's that hard. That's hard, and that's worth it. And they, that not worth it. And they shouldn't even ask me to do that. There's a great line delivered by the great Tom Hanks in A League of Their Own, and uh, with Gina Davis. No, no, that's great too. Um, <laughs> we're gonna win. We're gonna win. Uh, no, there's uh, when Gina Davis is leaving the team. Uh, because her husband got home and, and he's like, why are you leaving? She said, it just got too hard. And he stares her directly and he delivers this fantastic, it's a fantastic movie if you guys ever, if you've never watched it. Um, he said, you know, it's, it's supposed to be hard. Baseball's supposed to be hard. It's the hard that makes it great. If it was easy, everyone would do it. And that's kind of been lost. We, we really don't set our sights on, I'm going to do that because I don't think it can be done easily. And I'm going to do that because I think I can. Or, or even just the, uh, th- those fuckers told me I couldn't do that and I'm going to prove them assholes wrong. I, I love that mentality. It's, it's near and dear to my heart. Uh, there's, there's, um, let me give you another example. And it's, uh, it's on the other end. My brother. Uh, my brother is smarter than I am. He's a couple years younger than me. And where I may have struggled through uh, my my high school and down education um, and even some of my college, my brother flourished. Uh, school was easy for him. He is very intelligent. He is probably one of the smartest people I know. Uh, he, he got all A's in school and got all A's in college and graduated with a bachelor's degree with a just – just blow, just blowing past it. Uh, he also has almost no ambition. He is right at the cutoff <laughs> of, of Gen X and, and millennials. He's right there. He's born in 1980. And where I banged my head against every wall and, and, really screamed and failed all the time. And it's just like, I was, I was a hot mess up until I was about, uh, well, until I met my wife and then I was a hot mess with a college education and a plan, you know, but I was still just kind of banging around, just trying to get traction. Right. And and trying to make stuff happen because I wanted, I want, I had a lot of ambition. Um, and some talent, but my brother has talent in other things that I just couldn't do. He, he's a financial genius, uh, always has been. Wonderful with numbers, great with chemistry. He's 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 just – if I had half his talent, I'd, I'd own half the planet. But he, he never really had any ambition uh, up until recently, until his uh, second child was born and uh, his father-in-law came to live with him. And he was – he wanted a house. So he decided he was going to to get going, and he had worked for Walgreens for 15 years. He made um, it up to, I think, uh, I want to say assistant manager. He was doing somewhere south, just south of $20 an hour uh, without overtime. And uh, I talked about uh, him with this. I said I want I would mention hits on a cast, so I'm not really spreading secrets or something. But he was he was doing okay, 
nothing. It was a living wage. It was about the the median income of of uh, the United States. He was he was doing a little bit better than that actually, because the median, as I said, was about thirty six thousand. He was doing a little better than that at forty. His wife's a school teacher, and they cut him loose because of the pandemic, and they were closing stores and and all that. And for the first time ever, I saw my brother get pissed. I mean, just really angry because he realized at that point uh, he was 40 years old and he realized that they didn't care about him. They didn't care about his years of service. Uh, They didn't care that his store ran better and, and had better profits than any of the stores around him. They didn't care that his people loved him. They didn't care that he had won several management awards. They didn't care about any of that. They just cared that they could get somebody five six thousand dollars a year cheaper than him in that position and that was better to them and he got so upset that it lit a fire under him for the first time in his life and uh, you know he looked around and he was out of work for i think about three four months just because he didn't know what he was gonna he thought he would retire at that job he thought, you know, they were slightly grooming him for for management, uh, for for managing a store and, and all that, and it would have been a, a almost double or more than double his salary. And and he figured that was the ticket. I will just do, I'll toe the line and do what I need to do. And like so many other statements, and you and I would have seen that coming, you know, and I did see it coming, and I told him, I'm like, dude. It's not what you think it is. They companies aren't loyal anymore. If they can figure out a way to do it cheaper, they will. Oh no, I'm a valued employee. Mm. Uh, I actually, my my wife has run into that not personally, but watching um, teachers try to move districts. Uh, oh yeah, be, because by because they're union labor, they are paid a specific amount depending on. Uh, how many years of service they have in. And yep. if a principal can hire a brand new teacher out of school with no years of service versus a teacher who... Now, if you're in the district because you're in the union, they have to take you over the new person because of the union. But if you're moving districts, like you're moving out of state or something yeah, of that good nature... Luck. Yeah. Good, good luck. If you're a teacher with uh, 20-some years of experience... Good luck finding a job because they will hire cheaper uh, people who are just out of school that they can pay thirty thousand dollars a year versus sixty to um, an older person in a heartbeat. Yeah. Oh yeah. You know, and and when I explain to them, I, look, dude, you're a forty-year-old assistant manager. You, you you're more expensive than a twenty-four-year-old kid who they're going to give your job to, by the way. No, they wouldn't do that. Oh, yes, they would. Oh, yes, they did, as a matter of fact. And he got so upset. And he uh, he waited a couple of months. Now, it just so happened that this coincided with the largest swing of, of um, working power that has happened in the last 50 to 70 years. He, uh, he decided, you know what, I'm not going to work in – in the pharmaceutical area anymore Uh, i'm gonna go find something i just enjoy doing and he looked around and looked around and he found a pet supply place and he's like you know what i'll sell dog food and leashes and fish and you know i'll be with the animals all day and i'll just have a ball that's what i'll do and he gets paid more as a a shift lead which is two steps down uh, from what he was, he gets paid like 10 bucks more an hour as a shift lead at this this pet supply place who was happy to ha- thankful to have him because of all of his years in retail and he could run books and he could he could make uh, schedules and he could do all kinds of stuff and and or I should say read, read books. Uh, what's the other uh, inventory? He could do inventory. <laughs> And and he could he could do scheduling and he was he knew all about the products and all the stuff because my brother uh, is is huge into to fish tanks he's I think he's got like fifteen fish tanks uh, and dogs and we grew up with dogs and stuff and and he he was just like this godsend for them and they happily paid him what they thought he was worth 
and are aggressively grooming him for assistant manager because they need him that badly because they can't find any kids who want to come in and haul dog food and and talk to people about squeak toys. But I like squeak toys. I do, too. I was like, well, this is um, (laughs) how do you how do you like your job? Now, to a lot of people, they look at that and go, you were. You you worked in the back of the pharmacy, you know, helping out stuff, and because he has you know uh, his his accreditation there, and he was doing all the stuff, he was assistant manager, and now you're like chairman of Squeak Toys for you know your shift. Like what the hell, man? Don't you find that weird? He goes, actually, I have no stress at my job. I love the people I talk to. They're all there to talk about stuff that I find enjoyable, and and. I, I have lots of stuff to say to him, and and he's now a specialist because he's the the, you know he sold so many fish tanks and so many systems and stuff because he just knows about them, that they're like oh we got to get this kid as assistant manager this is he's 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 amazing, and I I'm just like uh, how how wonderful it is that that you can even with a little bit of you know what I'm gonna go out and get this. I'm going to go do something that makes me – now, that, I'm not saying everybody should go work at a, a pet store. But, uh, like, he went and looked around and went, you know what? I'm just going to go do something that makes me happy in retail and and found a place that he fit as much as they fit him. And both of them were happy to have each other. Now, I'm not saying everybody can do that right off the bat, especially if if maybe you're 17 and you don't know your own mind or you don't know what you're good at or you don't know what you want. That's fine. But we shouldn't look down. I guess my point is is it worked out great. Now, on paper, you'd say that's a huge – you know, he should take the L, you know. But – he gets paid more. He loves his job. He loves the people he works with. He loves his customers. It was a huge win for him. He's happier. It's lowered the stress level in his life. His heart's even better. But it almost to some extent proves my point. My point is, is that you had a 40-year-old man who was willing to come in and do the work. And they are thrilled to have him because he is willing to do the work. And that's the real catch. You have to be willing to put up with are the crap. Are we pissing off the millennials again? I, I don't know. I Well, here's here's one for the millennials. Like, I have a reasonably, uh, we don't need to go into huge details, but I'm a vice president of operations for an internet company, basically, a, a new media company, if you want to call it that. And uh, we do a lot of uh, uh advertisements and and campaigns and and all that kind of stuff and i run operations so i own everything own and control everything but sales which i hate and won't touch uh because i don't want to talk to people that much so um they give it to me if i ask for it i don't want it so i that's my gig now a lot of people see i get an office i get you know helpers i have a team i have a budget i have all this stuff and they see the trappings right the the good stuff, the the all the things that I quote unquote get. You know, I can come and leave and work whenever I want to. I can work from home when I want to. I can work at the office if I want to. I can do pretty much whatever the hell I want. Now, all the millennials only see that. What they don't see is one. I am responsible for all that stuff, and if I fuck up, it's me. Okay, it's my ass, not theirs. And the way I jokingly tend to put that is, is I screw up and my kid doesn't go to college. Yeah. Okay. They screw up. It's my fault, not theirs. Right. Uh, there's a big problem with the business. I got to solve it. Not them. Um, there's a call that comes in at midnight. I have to answer the phone. Okay. <laughs> there's a reason I keep my phone on high right next to my bed. Cause if somebody calls, I got to answer. I can't say, no, it's midnight. I ain't answering that. That's not, that's not my gig. They got a leash shoved so far up my ass that it, like it, it's just part of me now. But that's that's the gig I signed on for. You take all the responsibility and all the work and all the stress, and with that comes some perks. You're absolutely right. I can take a three-hour lunch, but I've been at my desk since 5:30 in the morning. Okay, you assholes came in at 9:30. All right, I worked half a day before you got here. Yes, I might take a long lunch. Yes, I'm going to leave at 
But you got to remember, if I got there at 5.30 and I leave at 4.30, that's better than a 10-hour day on an average day. So there's there's some give and takes. You know, there's a lot of trades. And I, I'm not sure the, the, that oftentimes a younger person, whether it be Gen Z or millennial or somebody who has not been experienced in what that actually is, sees all of it clearly. Because I sure as hell didn't when I started working. I don't know if you did. Um, I didn't. I've always had a, a, a toot in my own horn. I've always had a little bit of what they would call a work ethic when it comes to Oh, I, I had the work ethic. I just didn't know. Like, I'd look at these VPs or these directors or whatever it was I, when I, I was I a lowly graphic artist. I somebody who was whispering in my ear, if you want that, you have to work for it. Oh, I have always had that. And... It, um, it, 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 that's and not what every I'm complaint yeah. that I ever made was, but what have you done to get there? And and I think to some extent that's what I've seen change is now it's kind of like, what have you done to get there? And it's kind of like, well, I, I, I should just have that. And, here, there, comes, and yeah. here comes the part is I I get a lot of pushback on this being the fact that this is, quote unquote, well, it's a stereotype. You're generalizing. And I may very well be. However, I personally, on my day-to-day life, in my day-to-day job, in my day-to-day work, do not see anything other than a few bright spots here and there that proves me wrong. There was a phrase, and I'm sure you've heard it, that was bantered around every office, every, every back room, Every construction place, every kitchen, every workspace I've ever been at when we were starting out, you and I both, because we're about the same age. I'm a little younger than you, but I I know you've heard this phrase. Three words, and it was one of the most infuriating sayings to people under 35. Paying your dues. And that is a concept very much lost on today's entering workforce uh, people. Uh, because when I was starting out, that was that was one of the look, man. You took this job, you got this job, you're doing it, you're doing good. But there's so much you don't know. You're gonna have to be in this job for six months. Before you even know what your job is, chief, I'm like, that's not true. You're doing your assignments, but you don't know what your job is, do you? You know, hey, I've been telling people that in in my line of work that it takes six months for me to turn a new employee into the new idiot on the block. Yeah. You know, uh, Shannon always said, oh, that's the new boot. (laughs) The new boot is it's not useful for anything except showing up and getting coffee uh, when she was in security. Oh, I got a boot. Great. I got to train a boot. And and that's really I guess it's a military thing I, from stemming from boot camp. But but the the new boot was useless, you know, uh, pulling uh, from uh, Boondock Saints. Does anybody need a bagel while Greenlee's out getting coffee? Um, it's, it, you don't know, you don't know what you don't know. Actually, the, the one that kind of pops in my head, since we always tend to go back to some extent to pop culture, when we use examples is probably one of the best things I've ever heard in the worst movie when it comes to employment. And it was from John Malkovich. in I think the third transformers movie, when he looked at Shia LaBeouf and said, I understand what you're saying. What you're saying is you want the job that comes after this job, but you have to do this job first. Yeah. No, that's that's absolutely true. And even if you think you could handle it, and maybe, hey, maybe you could, you still got to have the experience to really know what, like, and I tell people this all the time, and they never believe me until after they're on the other side of it. Because I train a lot of, of uh, as a VP, I train a lot of directors and managers. And a lot of them, it's their first time. And I'm like, okay, I'm going to explain this to you. Do not take offense. Okay? Listen to me. 
don't take offense. And they're like, yeah, I got it. What? What's, what's going on? You are going to royally screw up your team. And they look at me like, oh, I know what I'm doing. I'm like, stop. <laughs> Listen to me. Here's how. I'll tell you how. You're going to make one of these three mistakes. And I'll explain it to them. And I'm like, in your team, you're either going to create a, a problem where nobody thinks anybody has to do anything. You're going to have a favorite, and the entire team's going to turn on them. Or you're going to think it's your job and God's gift to do everything you want, and you're going to have your head so far up your ass that your team morale is going to be pretty much in the can. Now, I can show you how to avoid these three things, but you're not going to like it. <laughs> and they look at me like I'm insane. And they're like, why? I'm like, because it's a lot more work to do that. To lead. You don't manage people. You manage stuff. You lead people. And to lead people, you have to lead by example. I don't know any other better way to do it. You need to inspire and lead. And to do that, you need to be right there with them. Maybe not doing the same tasks. You don't need to be in the trenches sometimes, but sometimes if there's a problem, you may need to be there. You may need to take, let everybody off and you keep working. You know, I, there's all kinds of stuff to that, to being a good leader and, and, you know, not throwing your people under the bus and making sure they grow as a person so that they can eventually be transferred out to somebody else's damn department because they did so well. And you're like, crap, uh, all of that needs to to go and if you're in a successful leader that's what you need to do but they don't see that like it's one of my biggest pet peeves and i know i'm going on about this but it's one of my <laughs> biggest pet peeves as a manager because for some reason people under 30 right now have no concept of what that is right they're just like i'm the balls like no you're a mini boss at best okay and you your entire department is in disarray <laughs> you know like, go over there and fix it. These are the things you need to do. Because they, they stop. They stop thinking. There's no plan after that. They're like, ah, no, I don't have to do anything. No, now you have to do more. A lot more. Oh, you have to, it goes back to the old cliche. The reward for good work is more work. More work, yeah. <laughs> more. And, and more dangerous and more crappy and more tedious work. Uh, and I just... I really have a problem with with that kind of mentality with the people out there in the job market right now. It's gotten to the point where I won't I don't care how hotshot they are. I have stopped even I mean I'll I'll look at them and I'll talk to them and stuff, but if they're going for some kind of management position, anybody who I don't think is, is, you know, of course you can't ask age or anything like that, but you better have prior management experience and good management, management experience. And you better be able to talk through a problem because that's real. I, I can teach you to how to work. I can teach you a system. I can teach you, a, but I can't teach you how to treat people and how to solve problems. You, you need to have, as a manager, you need to have that down day one. How to solve a problem, one-on-one, right? And people under 30, 35, just right now, at least the ones I'm interviewing in my area, just don't seem to have it. I don't know what happened, right? Because that, that wasn't the case 10 years ago uh, when I was a, a manager and a director. Um, I, I don't know what happened, you know, Um and maybe it's it's like you're saying, uh, you know, you know, it may be a mentality shift. I, I don't know. Hey, hey, we we pose the question to the audience of, uh, uh, what's the middle ground when it comes to wages versus productivity versus economy, all of that stuff. Maybe the here here's our next question to the listeners: What happened? Are we missing something? Is there a piece of this that we're not getting and we're not seeing? So, I. I going to kind of come wrap it up with the same thing I normally do, which is to say we are hoping for love and want audience participation. Oh, absolutely. Uh, yeah. So if you're one of the people who is listening to this screaming at your iPod <laughs> uh, that you think we're idiots, please write that shit down 
and send it to us. Tell us what it is that you think we're wrong, because this is the whole point, is that we're not standing here trying to say that we have all the answers. What we, we have don't. Yeah. is a, holy shit, there's a problem. Yeah, and, more questions. <laughs> so, so quite frankly, if you've got a thought, if you've got an opinion, uh, write in. You'll find our email address uh, in the description of the podcast. You'll find also our Twitter and our getter. Please feel free to reach out to us. But we're going to end the podcast with our normal thing that we've started doing recently, which is a pop culture media recommendation. Sean, you want to go first? Uh, I think traditionally I go last. Go ahead. Go ahead. Go okay. Ahead. Okay. Well, uh, mine's going to end up being probably a little bit longer because I, I have a classic that I think we all need to go back and start watching again because it is probably one of the most horrifyingly predictive shows on the face of the earth, and they just did it again. Everybody needs to stop and go back and watch The Simpsons again. <laughs> uh, recently, we had the one-year anniversary of Uncle Joe being sworn in as our president of the United States, and they did a little thing before he did his rambling disaster of a press conference that actually sounded worse than me trying to describe something. Uh, and before that, they did a little recording, a little recap of his first year, talking about how wonderful they thought he ever was. And it was narrated by, of all people, Tom Hanks. <laughs> and the only thing I could hear and see as they were doing this was a mental clip from the Simpsons movie where Tom Hanks runs in out for a public service announcement announcing the fact that they were literally going to blow up Springfield and, and, and introduce the new Grand Canyon. And his statement was, hello, I'm Tom Hanks. The government has used up all of their credibility, so they're going to borrow some of mine. And I, that's all I, I don't even know what the man said in his thing for Joe Biden, because that's all I heard. So I think we all need to take a step back and go rewatch The Simpsons. And here's the best part. You need to go rewatch The Simpsons, especially the early stuff. And if you're offended, slap yourself till you laugh. <laughs> I could not believe not only did that happen that it was exactly the same tone. It was exactly the, I mean, that's exactly what they did. They're like, we need somebody believable. That's beloved. All right. Uh, who can Tom we get Hanks. Tom Hanks, a man who did an entire movie about a donkey show at a bachelor party. This is the man. Now he's done some other stuff, you know, in between there, the, like the worst you know, part is be before all of this came out, my reading recommendation was actually going to be a Tom Hanks movie, <laughs> which I'll save for next time. But that's neither here nor there. I, 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 I'm sitting here listening to this going, oh, my God. 20 years ago, The Simpsons did exactly this. Isn't Not even like weird? the whole thing where, OK, they've got Donald Trump coming down the stairs. for No, they did exactly this. If Tom Hanks had actually just come out and said, Joe Biden screwed up all of his credibility, so he's going to borrow some of mine. It, it would have. That's, that's basically what was said. You would know that, like, a time traveler is a writer for The Simpsons. You know, like, you'd know at that point. Uh, I'm not sure they're not. But, uh, like, if if Trey, Trey Parker and Matt Stone ever come out as, as like, from the future, like, and, and they know that the other Simpsons writers are also from the future and be like, oh, yeah, we've been screwing with you all for the last 30, 40 years. I knew it. You know? Uh <laughs> Just because like it happens on like way more than with regularity, the stuff that on the Simpsons and the South Park that they do in jest freaking happens later on. I haven't seen one quite as transparent as the Tom Hanks thing, though. But damn. Uh, I, I was like, he couldn't have possibly done that. And then I went and looked at the Tom Hanks thing and I was oh. Should they? No, they really did. They they really did do that. I okay. That's uh that's I, weird. I I went and found the 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 pick with the quote from the show, and I think something in the nature of about twenty million people tweeted the exact same thing at the exact same time. Uh, I it's just so freaking odd. It's just it's just so odd. I don't I don't get it. 
I really, I really don't. Uh, well, I, just, I, I, the, the other part that I was thinking about is I kept hearing and Lewis Black's voice was, we are living in fictional times. You know, Lewis Black is still one of my favorite people. I, I I love his his just his style. But but even then, and, and he opened up his last uh, special with "I don't know what my job is anymore." You know, I <laughs> yeah. always figured my job was to say something more ridiculous than what's actually going on in the world, and I turn I on the TV and I I can't beat that. <laughs> yeah. He, you yeah. know, he, he, this was during the election. He sits there and goes, and they, they did a thing with Sarah Palin. Uh, and then on Saturday Night Live, Tina Fey did her imitation of Sarah Palin and didn't even write a joke. She just gave Sarah Palin's speech, and it was that funny. <laughs> we live in fictional times. We do. We do. Uh, it is. Now, if you want something more serious, we can go to my recommendation. Uh, actually, I have two, uh, believe it or not. One, it's a little bit older, but uh, I think you guys will like it. Uh, Zack Snyder's cut of Justice League. I just finished watching, rewatching that. It's four hours long. All right, it's it's an epic. It's like Hobbits in a Hill or Hobbits in a Mountain, but I cleaned up the entire Justice League movie for me and was incredibly well done. Even though it was in four uh, three, it, it's it's amazing. I, I I only had one complaint about the entire redo, and it was only one, and it was a minor one. I thought that they they, they actually changed the only good scene in the original cut, which was when Superman wakes up. Oh yeah, uh, do you bleed? <laughs> no, as I said, that was the one good scene in the entire movie, and it's kind of like you, you couldn't just leave that. Uh, no, I, I, I really liked that whole thing. I liked the reason that they changed the reason Lois was in the park. They changed, you know, uh, Clark and, and his whole kind of, uh, deal there and, and how he was uh, adjusting to life and, and the Martian Manhunter thing, which they wove in, which I, I don't know. I, I just love the cut a lot better. Oh, uh, no argument there. It was, it was just superbly done uh, i i don't know i mean i know why they didn't do that in the first place it was four freaking hours but it, it was necessary and it was well done they should have just cut the movie in two the uh the second thing i will say because i just finished wrapping as we record this i just finished wrapping the last podcast about it uh yesterday and that is if uh it is now all out and all available for you on amazon prime video uh the expanse uh, Amazon Prime's The Expanse. Uh, the, we just finished the series, the entire series, uh, uh, season six, um, yesterday, uh, as far as our wrap-up on podcasting goes on uh, Expansive OPA. And I got to say, that series was better every episode of every season and just kept getting better until they built until the end and the end was phenomenal. So I, I did not know writing was going to get that good. Now, did you find the end anticlimactic at all? Uh, no, because I knew they would have to end it something like that. It would have to be something like that. Uh, because they, the, the thing about the expanses is, there's a very human element to it, and most times when you talk about stuff, like movies have a, a fantastic way of uh, hyping that, that final crescendo, right, that final moment. And that's really kind of not how life happens, right? You have these big moments, and then you walk home or, you know... Well, uh, don't get me wrong. I found the... I'm trying to do this without spoiling anything for anybody. Um, I thought that the uh, solution to the problem was very elegant. Oh, yes. And and, 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 I... and, and all the problems. The, the problem with the uh, and the uh, not part, uh, the antagonist, as uh -huh. well as the political solution, I thought was extremely elegant. 
elegant and well done. Um, I did. I I thought it was going to be. I I wasn't unhappy with it. I just thought it was going to be a little bit more climactic than it was. And I think I was also somewhat disappointed that there was that whole storyline that just never even got finished. I will suggest to you the same thing. I will pass on to you the suggestion that Beef has. And uh, for those of you who do not know Beef, uh, that can't imagine who the hell that would be listening to this show, because uh, it's mostly our friends and people who came from that cast. However, uh, if you do not know who Beef is, he is uh, my co-host on Expansive OPA. He is also a co-host on another show I do called Wholesome Addiction. And he is very wise, but his vocabulary is very mer. However, he is wonderfully insightful at times. And one of the things that he suggested quite heavily, in fact, he is staking on it, is that they showed us that story so they can tell us another one. They want – he is – convinced that they they show you that story and introduce those characters in the plot that is unresolved at the end of this because that they're going to do another show it, it would make to some extent sense because and i haven't read specifically the novels involved with the uh, the expanse however i have looked at a lot of the different synopses of it so i do know that there's a time jump in the There's novels, a, that would be yes. right about where we are. There is a time jump, and Operator has read all of the books. He is on currently on the ninth one, which is the last one. And there is a 28-year time jump from right when this series ends in the books to 28 years later. And they pick up on a very different track indeed from where we exist today. And he's like, they couldn't have bridged that gap. Oh, without... I, and that's why, if, unless they are planning on doing a, a an additional show with new characters, then that 28 years later, um, there didn't seem to be any reason for that piece to even be in there, knowing that you were going to have that jump. That is Beef's summation as well. Uh, he he firmly believes that there is a at least planned. Another show that will be uh, an addition to this one that does not have the same many of the same characters, or at least if they do, they are extremely older than they are now, uh, as a lot of these people are in their upper 30s, 40s, and our Arvasala is obviously in her 60s or 70s, uh, that this is not going to be the same cast and crew as they a lot of the cast and crew that are would would follow on in that story are very much older so but it's a if you haven't seen it i urge you to it's a little slow to start off with but but it but is the way incredible. i'll put it is there is not a bad badly portrayed character in the entire series there's also not a bad episode in the entire series no. it is amazing all the way through it is one of the very few projects that i have seen like that i hearken it back to and i cannot believe i'm saying this i hearken it back to bsg uh that is about the level that you're talking here although i think the effects the realism the the drama and the actual story to be fundamentally better. Uh, BSG let you down with the writer's strike. It had this kind of wandering end middle thing in there where people were just like, maybe we should make them like this, you know, or maybe we should do this. And you're just, what are you doing? This did not have that. It was very laser focused all the way through. And I thought did a wonderful job with the idea of, interplanetary politics yeah that's probably the way it would actually happen oh absolutely because no, humans and, suck but but even but even then uh, the, not only the idea of humans suck but uh everybody in the show went through some fashion or form of personal growth and if they didn't they paid for it yeah yeah exactly exactly that so i 
I encourage all of you to uh, to see it. Uh, we also have a podcast on it. If you guys uh, happen to do that, uh, you can follow along. I'm not just though, saying that I, for self-promotion purposes. And though I knew it was going to have to happen, the um, uh, the, the the what happened to the first officer for the bad guy ship? Yeah. Uh, I almost cried with that one. Oh, it was so upsetting. I, knew, I actually I, liked her I, a lot. Yeah, I did, and I, but I knew that it, that wasn't going to end well for her. <laughs> but at the same time, it was just kind of like... Uh, I, I, Somebody going to have to need some killing in this Because <laughs> a lot of the main characters lived through it. <laughs> uh, true. And I was kind of hoping that like some of the uh, other characters that managed to find some personal growth and be decent people managed to find their way out of this that situation. I was disappointed that she wasn't one of them. I was as well. I was as well. Uh, but uh, you guys should check it out. It's it's a series worth watching. It really is. Fo, at the end of that, everyone have a wonderful week. <laughs>